In this episode, we discuss our own listening tips and thoughts, such as why not to ask why and what your eyebrows are saying that you might not be aware of. My name is Justin Sinceri. And I am Mercedes Corona. We are licensed marriage and family therapists and your fellow trauma nerds, helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life. Welcome to episode 32 of the Polyvagal Podcast. For the Polyvagal Podcast super fans out there, we've got you covered. We have announcements and homework assignments just for you after the episode main topic. But before we get into things, we want to make sure that you put yourself first. We keep every episode as safe as we can, but just by the nature of the topics, you may experience some stuff come up. So take a break if you need to. The topic today, we want to continue with the listening series. People seem to be really enjoying this, at least on Instagram. Um, I, I think I'm having a lot of fun with this. This is kind of our, our wheelhouse, I think, as therapists. Uh, a lot of what we do here is the somatic stuff, um, but really, you know, the polyvagal theory, but really our wheelhouse is therapy. We are talk therapists, ultimately. That's where our training is. That's what we've been doing for the past decade or so. So listening and communication, I feel super cozy right at home. So I'm kind of happy to keep going with this. I love that word cozy. It does feel cozy to talk about listening. (laughs) It does. I like that. I like it. Yeah. I think you and I took different paths on this one, Mercedes. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll see. It sounds like it. We had talked about doing body language, but then I got inspired and went a whole different direction, which I tend to do. So what we'll see, we'll see what we come up with here. These are two different lists. Well, and and we left it a surprise to each other. So I don't know what your list says and you don't know what my list says. All I know is it has something to do with eyebrows. There is information about eyebrows. I'm going to leave you in suspense. I am uh, fully suspended. The uh, <laughs> The first thing that I wanted to talk about is asking why. Why? <laughs> <laughs> So asking why when it comes to listening, I guess the answer is, I don't know. Is when, you, when you go to someone and you say, hey, I have something I want to talk about. This is the thing that happened or this is how I feel. And they go, why? I don't know. I don't know why. That's why I'm talking about it with you, right? And I don't want to analyze it. I don't necessarily want to uh, break it down into the pieces. I, don't want, I might not want to break it down into the factual elements and figure out the why of it. I might just want someone to listen. And to be supportive and to validate and normalize. Um, and, and everyone does this. I don't think anyone like gets a pass from this. Uh, I, I recently talked to three coworkers, you may have been one of them, about my own shutdown state, trying to like process it. And every single one of my therapist coworkers, the first thing they said was, why? I, I said, I re- like, I've been <laughs> kind of like this shutdown place recently. And all three of them said, yeah. well, why? And I'm definitely guilty of that. <laughs> I'm I know that I am cuz cuz you and I have so many conversations just about whatever thing and and I try not to just you know again I always say this but like through all the stuff that we've been that I've been learning through the polyvagal theory and the podcast and everything I know that asking why is unnecessary and sometimes detrimental and it's almost like a jerk reaction like a knee jerk reaction like but why? Right. It totally is. <laughs> and and it's, it's honestly not something I do a lot in therapy, especially because it's it's something I've learned that with children will shut them down real quick when mm. you say why. So I don't know where it comes from, but it's like a, like a, like a, you know, here's a thing and I ask why and it, it just comes out. And even as I'm doing it, I'm like, no, 
I think we all want to make sense of the situation. We all want to figure it out. And we all want to explain it for the person who's talking. And, and if like if we can figure it out for them and just give them the correct information, then their problems will go away or their feelings will get better. And of course, that's not the way it goes. Um, when I was in graduate school, I had a teacher and this stuck in my mind. And she said, don't ask why to clients. And I thought that was, I still think it's kind of extreme. I think every now and then I'll ask why. But it's not, it's not my go-to. But sometimes the word why is, I think it's appropriate. The question why. But um Yes, that really stuck out to me. Like she said, don't ask why. And I think I kind of get what she was going at, what she was going after, what she was explaining, which is like when you ask why, it puts someone in this analytical state of mind's framework. And that's fine here and there, but in therapy, people might just want to talk. And I think the why of it can come later. But the first thing we have to do is just sort of understand where they're coming from, hear them out, bring those social engagement cues, help them work their way up the ladder. And then once they're in their social, safe social system, then putting pieces together as far as the why, then it becomes more appropriate, I think. But when, when someone's, if someone's like frantic or upset or even stressed out, even like a mild stress, and they just need to like vent or just need someone to listen to them, the, the question why can be kind of irritating. It can throw them off course. Uh, that, that can come later, I think. And I think that's what the, my teacher was getting at was it puts us into this analytical, almost investigative mode and that might not be the person wants that definitely makes sense yeah now we're going into like facts and now we're going into the whole evaluation versus curiosity thing and i I think with with listening we have to be curious as listeners and not not necessarily evaluative we first have to start from curiosity and, and wanting to understand them on like that emotional level first and foremost um but not to figure things out unless, unless they're asking us to. I think that's been the biggest message that I've noticed in as we've been recording these episodes on listening is as the listener, go ahead and just er, put on the brakes. Just, you know, pull it back. Just sit and listen and be present for that person. I think that's the biggest message that I've been hearing kind of throughout our all of our points and tips and things that we've been talking about. And it's really, it's really important because I think we do jump to that problem-solving analytical mode, but if you, dear listener, take anything away from this, it's that you just just pull it back, just sit down and just listen, and don't worry about the rest of it. The rest of it will kind of fall into place, I think. It does, yeah, but you have to bring those safe and social cues. You have to attune to where they're at, what state, what body state that they're in, or you know, the best you can. Uh, that really has to come first. All right, te- teach me something about eyebrows. <laughs> so I went, so I, I made a list of some body language things that I like to just make sure and point out for people. So I wrote down some obvious ones. Obviously, you're going to look at the person or at least in the direction of the person. This is a really big thing. And I think sometimes people might underestimate it because, and and I've been guilty of this myself, but doing the thing where I'll say I'm listening but it doesn't look like I'm listening. So I'll be looking away or I'll be, you know, minding some other kind of business. And I think it's just a basic sign of respect and like, okay, I'm sitting here with you. I am taking the time out of my day to listen. And so I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to look at you or at least in your direction. And I, I put that down because you don't want to do the hard stare, like the hard eye contact thing but if you're kind of looking in their general direction they're going to know that you're listening i think it's honestly kind of awkward to 
just look at someone like it, it can feel awkward but that's yes. to me that's a sign that you're not in your completely in your social engagement system or that you're down the ladder enough to where like what you're you feel like your eyes pull away right you don't choose to look away they just do and there's that i don't know about you but for me there's that internal just the feeling that happens like ew you know and you want to like turn away um, but I also have noticed that in times I, I've always struggled with eye contact, like myself yeah. as a person, I've had to really train myself and not so much in therapy. It, it's funny how in the therapy session, I'm a whole different, better version of myself, know, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, in my personal life, I've, I've always struggled with eye contact and I've really tried to train myself to really look at people when I'm talking to them, or at least glance at them and make eye contact. But what happens is I, I've noticed that when I am in that safe and social place, when I'm not thinking about what my face looks like, or what my eyes are doing, or where my hands are placed, you know, when I'm completely focused on the conversation or the friendship or the what, you know, whatever the thing, I don't think about it. But I also notice like looking back, like, wow, I was holding some pretty steady eye contact there for a while. And it didn't feel uncomfortable and it didn't feel strange. So it is a sign of safety for sure when you can hold it. But I think it also doesn't have to be something unnatural that you're forcing yourself to do because then the other person will feel that as well. If it's unnatural, So I think yeah. if it's unnatural, if it's forced. But even if it's like natural and it comes from compassion, and I, I see this in therapy a lot, that when my client notices it and they notice that I'm just... I don't know how to put it, but looking at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, As opposed I'm, to staring or glaring. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That it, they can't hold the eye contact, but they're sort of like noticing it and then looking away and noticing it and looking away. And not out of like, it, it's just uncomfortable. Like it's not, they're not used to that. They're extremely vulnerable when they make eye contact. And it's really hard for them to hold it, but there's this really cool moment where they do hold it. And I, I notice, I notice that they're experiencing it. For the first, maybe the first time or just a very rare experience. And I, I always have, I don't do it, but I have this impulse to go, hi. <laughs> it's, gotcha. Well, it's like, it's almost like you've come out of your shell. We, you're holding, you're holding eye contact. Now you're up in your social engagement system. And it's almost like I want to greet you all over again. And it's like a different yeah. experience, you know. I don't, I don't do that, but I really want to go. No, I know hey, what you mean. Though. I know, I know that moment. Like I, got, I see you. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I, that's I, it. Hello. Yep. That's exactly it. I know what you mean. I think, I think it's nice to think about eye contact. I, I know we've talked about it a lot. You don't want to have like a hard stare. You just want to have some soft, gentle eye contact. And so I, I kind of think of it as like an open door. You are welcome to come in to this whole situation when you're ready. But yeah, it's it's an invitation rather than a like a forceful. If someone's eyes are just open, that's thing. that's a stare. That's a stare down. That's like an attack in a way, right? That's an invasion. But if with the eye crinkles and like you're you know squinting your eyes as you listen, and my my eyes make this like half moon shape, uh, they do. just like in our icon. I know <laughs> that our in our logo when I. But that tells the other person, I'm not just staring at you like I'm actively, like I'm able to use these muscles around my eyes. So I'm in, my, I'm in a good place and I'm actively like safe and that their nervous system is going to pick that up. It's a lot, a lot different than just staring and making yourself stare or, or making yourself look at someone because you think you're supposed to do that. 
I think another point that just came into my mind, and we again, we've made this point before, but you don't have to require, if, you, if you're the listener in a conversation or in a situation, if you're the listener, it is not necessary to require eye contact from the other person. So you can offer it and provide it. But I, I'm even going to go ahead and file it under a never, never ever say, look at me, or you, you have to look at me, or look at my eyes, or, you know, I don't know, some variation of that, because that is not safe. And if you're offering safe, gentle eye contact, then they know it's there, and they can receive that eye contact when they're prepared to, and not before. Yeah, and it'll come naturally once they work their way up the ladder. I put in a couple of um, other obvious ones that we don't have to go into, but things about like being aware of what your body is doing. For example, if you're fidgeting, that might send signs of boredom. Things like leaning in versus leaning away. Just be aware that, um, you know, just all, the, the, all of these things that your body is doing as a, as a listener. Um, I wrote down aggressive leaning is a nope. So if you're like doing a hard lean in. What do you think people should do though? I think as therapists, the way we handle that might be different than like just friends chit-chatting or friends even like providing each other some validation and like listening stuff. Do you, I mean, like, do you think that friends should actively be trying to control the way their body is or just like be in the moment and if they're fidgety, they're fidgety? I think be in the moment. I mean, if you're fidgety and you're listening, people can tell. But if you're fidgety because you're bored, again, people can tell. I think it's always best to be in the moment. Maybe there's no reason to to distinguish between this, but tell me what you think. Maybe 90% in the moment and 10% awareness of the other. And so I'm thinking of the leaning in thing, right? I've, I've been in conversations where someone, it feels like they are just coming at me. They continue to kind of invade my space. And I feel myself leaning away. I'm trying not to do it now so I don't go far away from the microphone, but I feel myself leaning away from them. And so just notice that if you are so interested and intrigued by what the other person is saying that maybe you're leaning in too far, if you notice that they're starting to pull back, maybe you can pull back a tiny bit. So so what I'm trying to say is definitely stay in the moment, but try and read their cues too. Because if you're trying to be present and you're trying to listen for that person, but it also feels like you're leaning in too aggressively and they're pulling away from you, that's going to damage your other efforts. I think that's fair enough. And I think friends, like when you and I talk, I don't think either of us is trying to position ourselves in a certain way and like give the right facial cue. We just are, you know, for the most part. Um, but I think as therapists, it's it's different and we should be aware of the cues that we're sending. And there's little nervous habits we might have that if we're chewing our fingernails in a session, we probably should be aware of that. And that might be something that we want to put off until later, whenever a good fingernail chewing time would be. The listening of a therapist should be different than the listening of a friend, I think. Like we should be providing something different than a friend or a family member or a clergy member could. And that, that means that our awareness of what we're projecting needs to like, as far as like what our body's projecting needs to be like, it needs to be there. We, we can't just casually enter into a therapy session and take our shoes off and <laughs> chew our <Right>. nails and <laughs> lean forward too much or slouch in our chair. I, I don't, I think those things do convey that we're less than interested 
And and so I, I do think there should be some awareness of what we're doing uh, and, what, and what that shows to the client, you know. Ideally, we're all genuinely interested in what they have to say and are like actually <laughs> right. caring and don't have to fake it. But at the same time, if you're a little bit more fidgety that day for whatever reason, if you can, you know, keep something under control like fingernail chewing or leg tapping, that might be ideal because that leg tapping, that shaking is going to is going to be a cue of uh, danger to the person across the room or across the, you know from you. I think that's definitely true. And I think the point that you make about level of comfort in, say, a friendship, say like you and I, right, when when you and I are just talking, I think the relationship that you and I have is is comfortable enough and familiar enough to where, like, I'm a fidgety person, I tend to fidget. And so sometimes I'll be doing, you know, I'll be yeah. whatever, swinging in my chair or whatever. But you know that I'm listening. And so I think for our podcast listeners right now, the message is, if it's a relationship that you're completely comfortable in, there's probably not a lot of thought that has to go into this. What no. your, you know, your body language and stuff, it'll just come naturally. But if you're trying to be there as a listener for someone who you aren't quite as familiar with or quite, or maybe it's a newer relationship, definitely put in some thought into your body language and awareness of it. But yeah, the more familiar you are with a person, the less you probably have to think about this stuff. I think the more familiar you are with someone, the greater chance there is you'll be in your safe and social system. Mm -hmm. So if the other person is a little fidgety, like I know you, I trust you. uh, I I know it's not about me. Like there's, I'm in a good place and I can handle whatever fidgetiness you have and vice versa. So it's just with certain people that you're just connected to, it's just not an issue, right? It's not. You still haven't hit me with the eyebrows. Let's do it. Eyebrows. My last point under body language is, um, for me, the biggest thing that people do is what they're doing with their face. So if we're talking about listening, the biggest thing that the most information you're sending to the other person is is happening in your face, non-verbally in your face. And guess what, Justin? Your eyebrows are a big part of that. So I don't know if <laughs> if people out there or you, Justin, I don't know if anyone notices how active people's eyebrows are, but they really are a humongous part of of sending messages, of communicating feelings and expressing yourself. It, it's humongous. So think about what your eyebrows do, and your eyebrows convey a lot of information. So I, I just put down a couple of notes, and see right now you did a little surprise eyebrow. I it was, it was eyebrows of, of agreement. It was a slight raise oh. while I nodded my head. Okay. Okay. Uh, I love that. I pursed my lips as well. <laughs> I mean, your whole face, there's just a whole lot of messages happening in your face. But my favorite part of the face is the eyebrows. Think about when you're concentrating. I called that like a furrowed brow. So think about like, you know, it's a concentrating face. It kind of goes toward the center and like down a bit. It kind of scrunches. Uh-huh. It scrunches in kind of. And it's a concentrating face, concentrating eyebrow. And it's 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 all up here versus an angry face, which is similar. But then your, your face. Exactly. Okay, your bottom face. You're not even up. looking at my outline. No, I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Angry eyebrows. No, no, no. It's good. It's perfect. <laughs> because angry eyebrows, I think, are similar because they're all scrunchy, but angry eyebrows are more like, I think, tenser and more downward rather than like kind of inward. Yeah. 
And, you know, a furrowed eyebrow will send the message of concentration, i.e. interest, right. intrigue. I, I, I'm listening. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm all in. Whereas angry eyebrows will send the message of anger and displeasure, i.e. danger. What's interesting, though, is is both of these, uh, like your, your attention is forward. Like it's, I'm, I'm locked into my target in a way, right? If I'm angry in my fight state, I'm locked in on you. And my eyebrows might show that. But the same thing is when I'm interested, I really focus in on it and the eyebrows act the same, very similarly. And th- and I think that's that's what I'm getting at is it's a similar like movement and it's almost a similar mo- like motion of eyebrow, but it's just a slight change that sends a whole different message to the other person. But I wonder if, it, I wonder if they both kind of come from like a sympathetic sort of fight place, you know? A mild, a mild one for the focus. Because when you focus, like you're dead set on the thing in front of you. That makes sense. Definitely angry eyebrows, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But um, for co- like concentrating eyebrows, yeah. Like a very, a very sense, mild you're, fight. You're state focusing plus, in. You're, yeah. you're like honing in on a target. You really are, yeah. Like when you're mo- when you're motivated to do something, I think that comes from a sympathetic fight place. Um, but it's it's all about the thing, and like you're directly targeting it and putting all your energy toward it. So it's not fighting, but it's it's like you, it's using right. it's using that but system. But it's a fight energy. I think so. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping with this episode, well, with this discussion about eyebrows, I'm kind of hoping that people will start to really think about their eyebrows, because there's so many emotions, like yeah. you know, like a sarcastic eyebrow. Um, I've had kids, <laughs> clients I work with, they say, "Miss Mercedes, you're making pirate face." And I'm like, "What is pirate face?" And it's when I do. I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> it's my, I think it's my look of doubt, but it's like one eye is mostly closed, like squinted closed and one eyebrow is up. And it's like, ugh, like, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> I, I like the, that curious sort of like one up and one down sort of thing. I, I like that. It, Cause it's sort of like one eyebrow is angry or focused. And the other one is like shocked or curious and mm-hmm. to me, this it's like this <laughs> bewildered sort of like state or a bewildered yeah. feeling. And so it's like you get a combination of both and your eyebrows show you I'm focused on you, but I'm also completely <laughs> misunderstanding what you're saying or something. And so it's just like mixed eyebrow state, really. It is. It's a mixed I state think of eyebrows. That should be a new science is eyebrow <laughs> states. Um, no, but really. And then there's, I think, I can't think of the way to describe it right now but there's like if we're talking about raised eye we were comparing furrowed eyebrows in concentration versus angry eyebrows so if we're thinking about like one raised eyebrow that could be like confusion or it could be disgust like oh between friends i don't know how much you want to like analyze this stuff and control it but as therapists again if you're furrowing and a little bit too aggressively locked onto your target that's going to tell you kind of where you're at, like notice that and be like, oh, I'm not really coming from my compassionate place. I might be coming from a very judgmental sort of place and I'm actively judging my target versus really concerned about and trying to understand the person in front of me that I really care about. So I think that just a cue to like remind you, check in and then hopefully come out of that back into your sort of compassionate place. And I think another thing for a therapist is something I've experienced is the the miscommunication or misunderstanding. So maybe my face and especially my eyebrows are doing something. There's an expression on my face and the client might misread it or misinterpret it. 
And so that's an interesting moment where I have enough rapport with the client for them to feel comfortable in saying, you know, you're upset or you're mad or what, you know, what's going on, but not enough rapport to where they can instantly read it. Like they're not quite familiar enough with the whole eyebrows and facial expression yet to be able to accurately say. But, um, but that's an interesting thing because then I'll have to like rearrange my face (laughs) and just really think about what I'm doing with my face again, because sometimes I get so caught up in just the listening that I forget to watch my face. All right. My last one is to listen when you're ready. Not a body thing, which thing this is more of a, a setup sort of thing. Um, as a listener to listen when you're ready, I, I think ideally we are there for people as they need it, but that's not always realistic. And if you're not in a place where you can listen, like don't, you don't have to, you can always tell that person I'm not in the best spot right now, or I'm, I can't focus on this right now, or I have just something on my mind or whatever it is, whatever thing. And it's okay to say, like, I'd love to be there for you. I just can't do it right now. When can we try again? Or I'll, you know, call you back or I'll come find you or whatever it is. When I'm ready, it's just like, I just can't do it for you right now. So I think you don't have to listen to someone until you're actually ready to. Unless you can find that within you to, like, actually be present for them. Because you might be setting them up for a lot of disappointment, a lot of failure, uh, or feeling like they're not cared about or feeling judged. So... I think it's like a harm reduction sort of listening model here. It might be best to just put it off until you're able to be ready. Um, ideally, you're listening when you're in a safe and social place. And that's not always possible, and that's okay. And I think when it really comes down to like empathetic, compassionate listening, we really have to be in our safe and social place. And I mean, think about how many couples are not able to listen to each other because they are not both in their safe and social place. Right. Not even one of them. Like one of them has to be anchored there. Right. Right. And that's probably not, I don't know how many couples are able to execute that. It's not easy to always be in that place. Like it's just not realistic. Right. So listen when you're ready. And for the couples listening, I would give them permission to say like, to be honest with your spouse or with your significant other, I'm not there quite yet. And hopefully the other person will be like, okay, I get it. You know, but you have to have some level of awareness, I think, and to understand, like have this kind of common language of safe and social or shut down or flight fight or whatever. If if a couple or a therapist and client have that shared language, and I think when you say like, I'm not there, like I'm too sympathetically charged or I'm too whatever, that the other person will know, oh, it's not a personal thing. It's not about me. You're not in a good, you're not in your safe and social state. Like there's something going on for you. It's not about me. So I think that that is better than like attempting to listen to someone when you're not able to or blowing them off in a more, in a more of a rude way, I guess. Yeah. Because if you're trying to listen when you're not in a place to listen, when, when you don't feel well enough to do so without judgment, I think that'll definitely be, you know, taking it back to polyvagal terms, it'll be a misattunement. It'll cause, it'll be read as cues of danger on one side and then possibly both sides. You know, there'll just be lots of, lots of yucky yuck happening between the two. So that's a really good point. You have to at least have a toe in your safe and social. A toe. At least a toe in the pool of safety. You have to have that there. Otherwise, like judgment and evaluation, if you're not in your safe and social state, you will be coming from a place of judgment and evaluation. And that's not listening. That's 
judging and evaluating. So if someone comes to you and they've really got something bothering them about work, you're going to say the worst thing imaginable, which is, why? (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. That's full circle right there. That's beautiful. Just one more point I wanted to make about that is um, it reminds me of the um, episodes we, our previous episodes, um, and especially the point about um, how really listening really providing empathy for another person can be exhausting. It can tire you out. And we had said in the previous episode that if you're tired, then you've done it right. And I think just going back to thinking about that, you have to be present and you have to be in your safe and social place because it will tire you out there. You are expending a lot of emotional energy in being present for another person and being a support for another person. And so if you're expending this energy, it's because that person is worth it. And if this person is worth it, you definitely want to give them the support and the and the friendship or the kindness or, or whatever word you want to use. You want to give that to them as they need it. And so if you're not well enough to do it, that's okay. I want to be there for you. I can't do it right in this moment. Wrapping it all back up into the polyvagal connection, Justin, the big, big message here is that listening is equivalent to connection. And the polyvagal theory is is really, in a big way, the science of connection, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're doing listening right, there's going to be a whole lot of opportunity for co-regulation. And if you've heard previous episodes of the podcast, you know that co-regulation is huge. <laughs> and <laughs> so that vocal prosody, wow. If you, I feel did so you like safe that? now. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> the listener can't, can't see my eye crinkles, but they're there. <laughs> Prosody and, and eye crinkles. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> so listening is connection. There's lots of co-regulation there and lots of cues of safety. And again, cues of safety and co-regulation are where we want to live as far as helping people move up the polyvagal ladder, helping ourselves move up the polyvagal ladder, having that toe dipped into the safe and social yes. pool state of the, the pool of safe and social so that's that's the big deal here. That's why listening is such a key um, a key tool of a therapist and why it's the basis of so many relationships. Announcements. The next two weeks are my interview with Jill Miller, uh, also known as Yoga Tuneup on Instagram. She and I chatted for about an hour and a half and we decided that we would break this up into two installments. She she's uh she's pretty awesome. She goes way in depth in this stuff, and it's like it's pretty in depth, like it's intense. So it's a, it's a fantastic uh, chat we had, and I learned a ton about yoga. But I thought it'd be best to do like two installments of it because it's a lot. The other announcement is that I've hit ten thousand followers on Instagram. Yes, that's amazing. It really is a lot. Can of... I give you an applause? Sure. Are you gonna? Don't cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I will accept that. It's amazing. Thank you. I honestly don't feel like I've done anything super special on Instagram. I think that I've put out helpful information and I think that people are taking it and really doing a lot of the work for me because um, they have. Like I, I see in my stats like how often things are shared and whatnot. And it's a lot. And people are really taking this and spreading the word. And so I wanted to thank 
the listeners here for screenshotting and sharing this stuff on their social medias or telling their friends and family. And I know a lot of people are doing that or telling their clients. I know there's a lot of therapists and massage therapists and psychiatrists and whoever else out there doing that, that are doing that for us, you know? Uh, but for my account in particular on Instagram, like people are really sharing a lot. And one of those people I, I, I have to kind of acknowledge is the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole. She, every time she mentions my name, which has been a few times, I get a whole bunch of new people. Um, so that 10 K, a lot of that's from Dr. Nicole. I'll be, I'll be honest. Right. And, but luckily those people are incredible and they're very active and they're just like, they're doing a lot of the work and, what I love though is for the account, but also for this podcast is that people are directly helping other people. Like this isn't just, Hey, share my stuff and share our podcast because we want more followers. It's like, this is helping people. This is helping people for free in depth. And I'm really proud of that. You know what I mean? I I feel it's an amazing accomplishment. We're doing like, I think we're doing a pretty good job and I feel really proud of like what we're doing here. And so like the people who are running with it, because we haven't paid for any advertisements. Like the, this is all, this is all from other people just sharing and spreading the word. You know what I mean? I, I haven't, you and I have not put the work into advertising and like harassing people on Instagram and hey, follow our page and <laughs> listen to our podcast. Like no, right? People are just sharing it and it's directly helping other people. And I know the listeners don't get to or the followers on Instagram don't get to see all the thanks and the success and the love messages that we get from people, but it's a lot. It's like, I know for me, like daily people reaching out to me, even from way back when the first, you know, few episodes, it's like, I just started listening and I'm loving it. And thank you so much. And it's helping me in this area and people don't get to see that. But so every time you're sharing this, you're directly helping somebody else and we get to hear about it. We're luckily we, we get to hear about it. I think that's the biggest thing that's it's so awe-inspiring for me and so humbling at the same time. And it's so amazing that people are sharing the message and people are passing it on and people want other people to hear it and they're finding it valuable and important to their lives. And that's the exact point of why I signed up to become a therapist in the first place. I wanted to make an, a positive impact on people's lives. So this is amazing. So I do want to extend my thanks to you, dear listener, for helping make that happen. Thank you so much. We have two homework assignments. One of them, my homework assignment for people, my challenge is, it's a homework challenge, not an assignment. My homework challenge is to uh, stop asking why. That's it. Why? Stop. Stop. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What's your homework assignment? My homework assignment slash challenge is the eyebrows. So I want you guys to really think about what you're doing with your eyebrows when you're in conversation with someone. Maybe you can notice someone else's eyebrows, but an extra challenge. I wanna see what your eyebrows are doing. So take a picture, put it on Instagram. Hashtag polyvagal eyebrows. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or even with yourself. Bye. There used to be this kid in school that thought it was really weird I could raise one eyebrow. Okay. Um, There's way weirder things about you and you got stuck on your eyebrows. (laughs) Boom roasted. Boom roasted.